The Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. And for today's episode, we are celebrating Earth Day, which was born or actually came into fruition in 1970. And one of the reasons I wanted to make a little bit of a special episode today was to celebrate Earth Day, which is actually on Saturday, the 22nd of April. And the idea behind it is to inspire activism or to create awareness so that people wish to make change and as such I'm sitting on a 200 year old farm near Esfigurel in the north of the island of Ibiza and I'm surrounded by some very beautiful furry friends who have been brought here by um, the Belgian farmers that I'm just about to have today's conversation with and I'm really excited to introduce them to you because I've been wishing to come here for a really long time myself Um, but I feel like you know, this is a story of regeneration and, you know, turning this farm into something that is functioning and is live and is working. Um, and the evidence is right in the field opposite me. I'm very excited to introduce you to um, one of the co-founders, Bart. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for inviting me to come over here on such a beautiful afternoon, surrounded by your beautiful family. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I was I was actually waiting for you to call us and uh, have a chat with you. So I'm, I'm very honoured to be part of this. What, you know, what drew you to obviously bringing 19 alpacas? I know it started a lot smaller than that, but how, how did you get from Belgium to being in the north of Ibiza, so, surrounded by these beautiful beasts that I've basically completely fallen in love with the moment I walked through the door? Well, it's it's a strange story because if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be living in Ibiza with 19 alpacas, I would have considered you crazy. Uh, but that's how it went. Uh, we um, I was a journalist in my life before Ibiza. My wife, San, was a nurse. Uh, she worked in the emergency room in a hospital, night shift on the psychiatric ward. Very heavy job. Um, I traveled the world looking for stories and people as a journalist uh, and you know we kind of had it a little bit after 25 years we were looking to escape Belgium as well um, while traveling a lot we, we found some interesting places around the world but never came to Ibiza actually and then like 15 years ago we uh, threw a, a British friend she said like you should, you should come down to the north of Ibiza because it's very rural it's very natural uh, you'll be amazed it's not clubs or bars around we did we fell in love with this this place, this beautiful side of the island, kept coming back as tourists in the beginning, got to know local people. Uh, and by then, San was already weaving. She was uh, she was very creative with clothing, you know, even besides her job as a nurse. Uh, and she said, one day I'm going to start weaving. So she started weaving. Uh, people liked what she was making, started making orders. And then San said to me, like, listen, um, if people want to pay for what I make, I want good wool. That's when the journalist in me kicked in and started researching good wool. And back then, the alpacas weren't very known around the world. It was still a strange creature that people knew existed, but that was about it. And um, I started reading up about alpacas, not just about the wool, but the animals itself. Felt totally in love with the animals, totally flabbergasted by how special they are. It's the most unique animal in the world. Uh, I still think that way. 
Um, so we had this little sparkle of an idea, like, why well, shouldn't we get a few alpacas in our garden in Belgium, and then you can use the wool for the weaving, and maybe I can educate people about how special these animals are. Uh, fell, uh, came down here to Ibiza, fell in love with the place, like I just told you, and one day I said, Let, let's combine those two stories and let's start the farm and the weaving studio in Ibiza instead of in Belgium, which is what we eventually did after years of preparation and thinking about it. We made a big leap, so we left everything behind in Belgium and started anew as a young 50-somethings in the north of Ibiza and started an alpaca farm. I'm sorry, I brought five animals from Belgium. We found a good breeding farm in Belgium. Could have been England, could have been uh, Germany. But it, you know, it, it worked out fine with the Belgian people. They sort of mentored us and taught us everything we needed to know to keep alpacas. And uh, brought five animals here in August 2019. Two boys, three girls. That's how we learned the trade, basically, because it was all new to us. I mean, I was used to sitting behind a laptop for 13 hours a day. Um, and then, uh, you know, slowly, organically, it developed into a farm with now 19 animals. We, uh, we brought six more during the pandemic from the same farm in Belgium because there was nothing going on, so it was time to expand. Uh, and actually expand our breeding options because with five animals, you know, it ends one day. Mm. Um, so we brought six more during the pandemic. We had uh, three babies along in, in those years. And then our late December this uh, last year, we had five new babies. So altogether, suddenly there's 19 around. So I'm sitting opposite two, um, which I gather they're actually named after rock stars because of your career in music journalism. Tell us a little bit, first of all, though, before we get into that, like what, you know, where are alpacas from? Alpacas uh, are originally from Peru. They live in the Andes Mountains, 4,000 meter altitude, uh, together with the big cousins, the llamas, much better known than the alpacas, actually. Um, inside, basically, same animal. Outside, total, looking totally different. The alpaca is like the soft cousin of the llama. The llama is a packing animal. It can work. It can carry things on the, on their back. The wool is not that special. Uh, it's a much more aggressive animal. It would spit at everybody who comes along. Alpacas are, the, as I said, the soft version of it. They're more friendly. They're nice. They're, there's no aggressive bone in an alpaca. Uh, the wool is amazing. It's, it's the most amazing soft wool you can imagine. Uh, and an alpaca is actually the most sustainable animal on the planet. There's one more animal uh, that's more important to nature, that's the bee. Without bees we can't survive. And second in line is the alpaca because at the end of the day, the alpaca gives back more to nature than it takes. A few examples, they, they've got soft pads on their, uh, on their feet. They are a family of the camelids, so they have two toes like a camel. They walk on land and don't don't destroy the land. When they nibble on grass, when they graze, they would just bite off the top of the grass so they wouldn't rip out the roots. Instead of, you know, uh, uh, goats and sheep, they would just destroy the land they live on. Uh, but more importantly, they give, of course, obviously a lot of wool. Every year we shear the alpacas. They actually do it all over the world. Uh, and an alpaca gives us between 5 and 10 kilos of beautiful wool every year which gives us the opportunity to make like four garments out of one alpaca every year uh, if you made a comparison with uh, cashmere everybody knows cashmere very luxurily soft uh, kind of wool as well comes from goats special goats you need 40 goats for one garment goats destroy the land they live on you have to move to get the goats around because they destroy every place of pasture they live on 
while the alpacas can stay in the same place. They don't destroy the land, they respect the land, and they give us four pieces of clothing every year instead of you need 40 goats for one piece of clothing. So the, the difference is huge. Uh, besides that, um, alpacas have a special kind of poo. So they're very clean animals. They always go to the same spot as their toilet spots. And their little black beans, it looks like rabbit beans, is the cleanest poo in the world. It is the only manure with no smell. It's totally odorless. It looks like coffee beans. It, especially here in Ibiza, it dries up very quickly. In, in about 10 minutes, it's, it's a dry bean with no smell. So very clean to collect and keep, you can keep it in your hands. Your hands won't be dirty. You can walk in it. Your feet won't be dirty. Uh, but if you use it as manure on your garden, vegetable garden, whatever plants uh, you have, it's I call it a Viagra for plants because you know in a couple of weeks your plants will be blooming and it's 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 a special bean that collects all the water you give it or rain if it's outside, and then slowly releases the water all the time with all the minerals and vitamins that contains the poo, and that gives your plants a super cure but all the time so that makes tomatoes double the size in a couple of weeks. Uh, you you know I've had people coming here and taking home a little bit of poo and then they call me and said like you saved my fig tree it was it was you know almost dead and two weeks later it's blooming again uh, so it, even in that way in that um, in that manner they give back a lot more to nature because their poo creates uh, fertile ground that's handy actually i've got an almost dead bougainvillea tree so maybe i will uh, <laughs> procure a little piece of poo to take home with me and uh, i can test out your theory i think you know that's very interesting and because you're saying you know that they're not obviously from here and they are producing quite a lot of wool per per animal which as we're seeing <laughs> sorry i'm just looking at him eating chewing on a little bit of nibbled grass as we speak but um i've never seen an alpaca before by the way this is literally my first alpaca experience ever i've seen them on instagram looking at a wonderful farm and been meaning to come here for a while um but um as you say they are actually due to be sheared tomorrow so i kind of got them at just the right moment when they're still looking quite abundant on their backs correct you're actually the last person that's going to see them in full fleece as they call it so we, uh, we we fly in the shearer, an alpaca shearer, a very professional guy that has thousands of alpacas every year all over Europe, because uh, it's it's important to, to be as professional as possible while shearing the alpacas. They, you have to put them and restrain them on a table, because uh, if they move, it's a very sharp razor, electric electronic razor that you use. Uh, you don't want any 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 you know blood fountains or cuts uh, giving to the alpacas. So he's very good. He's very quick. But if he if it takes too long, the alpaca is so stressed out. It's a very sensitive animal that it can actually die of a heart attack because of the stress. So the quicker the shearer is, the better. <coughs> I'm sorry. And uh, Sam, our shearer, can do one alpaca in ten minutes. That's a lot of work. Is there's like six people holding down the, uh, the animal. There's friends running around the table collecting the wool because every part of the animal has a different quality of wool. It needs to be put in the right bags for later for processing. Uh, but then it's so funny because afterwards they are totally naked, like naked cats. We just leave a little bit on the head and the legs because it looks nicer and they don't suffer from that in the heat. And then they come off the table and they're quite a bit in shock. It takes them two minutes to realize what just happened. And then they realize they're without wool. And they're, that's the happiest moment in the life of an alpaca. Because they suddenly realize that all the weight has gone. All the, you know, the, the six fur coats they actually wear are gone. And they start jumping around in the sun. They lie like sunbathing on their back. It's, it's a happy moment. It's fantastic to see. 
And the funny thing is that they, they look so different without wool that these guys don't recognize each other anymore. And it's like, who are you? <laughs> Showing up. Uh, and then after 10 minutes, they realize it's the shaven or the shorn version of, uh, of their friend's alpaca. <laughs> I'm not going to make any rude jokes there. I mean, I think, um, yeah, that must be very confusing though, mustn't it? I mean, you know, when someone has a complete makeover, then it is difficult to recognize people. So I think I, c- I can understand the confusion um, because, you know, they must have been growing that coat for months and months and months. And so suddenly for someone to appear completely butt naked in front of you must be a, a very joyous moment indeed. And how very Ibiza for these alpacas to be joyously jumping around completely butt naked because um, there's quite a lot of that that tends to go on in Ibiza. Um I think also, you know, let's go back to the naming of them because I love the fact that they've been named after rock stars. And one of those that we're looking at directly across us is called Mojo. Yes, Mojo is uh, one of the two oldest males we have. They live together. He, he lives together with Mo, with Lewis. Sorry, with Lewis is our king. He's our alpha male. He's the most important animal on the farm because he he's the super daddy. He gets to make the babies. Lewis is the European grand champion of alpaca wool. That's why he gets to make the babies. Uh, he knows he's important. He's, he's a little bit of a poster boy with an attitude. And Mojo lives with him because alpacas can't live on their own. They die of loneliness. So they need company. So we chose Mojo as his companion because Mojo is a gentle giant. He's a little bit too high on his feet. And whenever Louis gets crazy in the head, which happens because he's full of testosterone all the time, and he attacks Mojo like five times a day out of the blue, just to show off that he's the boss. <laughs> They fight like giraffes with the neck, so the power is in, in their neck, in the huge camel-like neck, uh, and they want to wrestle the other one to the floor with the power in the neck. But Mojo is quite big, a lot bigger than Louis, so he can stand his ground. Um, so that's why we chose Mojo. He's named after uh, Mr. Mojo Rising, uh, uh, the, the guy that appears in the Riders on the Storm song by the Doors. Louis uh, is named after Jerry Lewis, the rock icon. We got Moloko, one of the girls, named after, the, obviously, the band Moloko. We got Dusty, named after Dusty Springfield. Um, who else have we got? We got Barbarella, which is not a music name, but a movie, because um, I like the name, actually. And sometimes with the girls, it's, it's easier to find a good original name in movies than in, uh, in music, because all the music artists have normal names. Cindy Lauper is Cindy. You know, so Nina is Nina. So we we tend to look towards movies when we find the original girl girl names. We have a Fonda after Jane Fonda. We have Bardo after Brigitte Bardo. One of the other girls is called Maron because I like the Spanish word for brown, Maron. But we call her Naomi Campbell because she's the diva. She's got the looks and the attitude. I always tell people. Oh, and then then we got a few other young boys named Bess after the Happy Mondays uh, dancer. Uh, Brel after the Belgian singer Jacques Brel, Nelson after Willie Nelson, Chet after Chet Baker, Toots after a Belgian mus- musician called Toots Stielemans, a jazz legend. Oh, I thought it was going to be Toots and the Matels. Well, most of the people who don't know that Belgian uh, artists refer to Toots and the Matels, so if you want, it could be Toots and the Matels as well. Uh, so yeah, we got we all got rock and roll or movie names, and and the funny thing is that after couple of years now of three years people identify with them so we got people coming back and they're in love with dusty because they like to get the attitude of dusty or they like the character dusty mojo has got a lot of fans because he's he's a gentle giant as i said everybody loves mojo i think could be a good series uh name for a good tv series 
Louis, everybody is amazed by the beauty of Louis, but he, as I said, he's a little bit arrogant and he knows, uh, so he's not our most social animal. But as long as he makes babies, I'm happy. Uh, so yeah, so they, they become rock stars themselves now, and that's funny because there, there wasn't uh, obviously there was no master plan. I just like the names, mm. but now there's there's people calling me like, "How's Louis doing?" You know, it's a, <laughs> so it's this they got fans, they got a fan base. It's like um, in England, you can kind of like adopt you know like a blind dog or something and support these different charities my dad has got like this whole fridge full of fridge magnets with all these different dogs on it but I'm like it'd be way cooler to have a fridge full of alpacas I mean not that you shouldn't support you know blind dogs for the blind charity that's a very wonderful thing to do but I do think that you could um you could my dad would quite like to adopt an alpaca and I might just make him anyway you can actually we have an adoption program adopt a packer it's called, uh, which is yeah, boils down to the same thing. You you support the farm and the alpaca in in, uh, in your case that you you pay his, his costs. So you pay his food, you pay his medical bills, uh, which comes down to like seventy five euros a month, and it's your alpaca for a year. So you can come down whenever you want and meet your alpaca. You can bring friends. You get a whole like sponsor package, personal photo shoot with your animal as well. And to us, as a humble farm, it makes a huge difference as far as income goes, because uh, without the adoption program, we wouldn't be able to survive. Oh, the biting flies yeah, are just, yeah, uh, just the biting flies just just got me. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting thing to yeah to I'll add that um, link for anyone looking to adopt an alpaca in the episode show notes. I was very interested in what you said about alpacas dying of loneliness because um, I've just had done a 10 day of isolation for COVID and I've barely literally seen a single person apart from my boyfriend. But like, you know, only for like two minutes a day, we're sleeping in separate rooms. Like I've really been honestly on my own and I am borderline. Like today I was just like, I feel really, really sad. And I can totally see why alpacas die of loneliness. Like, it is a thing, isn't it? It's it's like, I remember reading that on your website and I just thought, it's so interesting. I mean, obviously everybody dies of loneliness, really, not just the alpacas, but, you know, can you talk to me a little bit more about that? They're herd animals. So alpacas are, they need a family, they need a herd. So whenever you want to start uh, having alpacas, you need minimum of three. Uh, Two is is not a party, three is a party in case of the, the alpacas. Louis and Mojo is two of them living in the in the same pasture because the the guys can see the other alpacas through the fences, so they know the family is around. Um, but an alpaca on its own, it's it's just animal abuse. Uh, actually, it's the same with donkeys, and unfortunately, a lot of donkeys are living on their own. They, they're just super sad because they need company, um, and that's what happens in nature as well. In Peru, in the mountains, basically every alpaca in the world has a boss. There's no wild alpacas, never existed. Alpacas is a domesticated version of an older version of the alpacas called the vicuña. Uh, so every alpaca has a boss in the world. Every alpaca gets shorn. If you don't shear an alpaca, they only live for two or three years because the wool keeps growing. Uh, we, sh- Like everybody in the world shears their alpacas and they live up to 25 years. One of the few examples that human interference make an animal live longer, usually it's the other way around. Um, so we help li- make them live longer. So it's one of the good things that, that humans can do to animals. 
so you've got how many males versus how many females because you say obviously you started off with six so clearly there's been some there's been some hanky panky going on uh well we started off with five two males and three females one of the two males uh is a castrated male because he just serves to to serve the king he's just company to the king and king louis is the one who gets to make the babies because he's a grand champion uh and he's very good at it actually so he's got eight children already walking around at the farm uh first he had two boys the first born chet after chet baker is actually the most famous alpaca we have because he was the first alpaca ever born in ibiza uh the newspapers came down he was on the cover of all the newspapers the television crews came down all the farmers <laughs> came to take a look at this animal because we were in newspapers he's got a very famous godmother so he was adopted by dj anatour which is like the ibisenko superstar dj uh, who comes around whenever she's got time and not flying around the world to to DJ? So she um, she adopted uh, uh, Chet. Uh, we got another son, and we we got a girl Bardot, and then now in in uh, in December we got five babies. Actually, we got six, but one uh, didn't make it. One little baby just lived for eleven days and was a little bit too weak. Uh, yeah, that was the first one we lost. It was a trauma. It's still a trauma. It will ever, forever be a trauma to us because it's the first animal you lose and it lived 11 days. It was in our arms for 11 days. It was just a week. We couldn't save it. Actually, Mojo is a hero because in the end, we're the last resort kind of thing that we tried uh, on advice of the, the vet is give uh, blood transfusion from a big guy, which was Mojo, because he's our guinea pig. He, can, he allows you everything. You know, it's like, I couldn't use Louis because Louis is difficult to catch. So Mojo gave his blood to the little one, but it didn't work out. Um, and then we got five left, five, five out of six, which is actually a good score for a farmer. Uh, and they are four months now. They're almost four months. They're growing up well. Um, we've been actually bottle feeding two of them for four months every three hours every day just me and my wife even at night we stopped doing the night shift at three o'clock a couple of weeks ago because we we called the vet and said like we need some sleep i mean this is just too much for us and he goes like no way they won't die anymore they're 20 kilos now so you can skip the three o'clock at night last uh, week he i called him i said you know the 12 o'clock at night is still a bit of a hassle because we have to get out of bed come back to the farm and give him the 12 o'clock bottle midnight and he says well you're big enough you can skip that as well so now we're getting our lives back uh so finally, I thought rearing a human was hard <laughs> exactly so we're we're finally getting our, our life back but it's you know it's fun to, to bottle feed them you see them lurking on that bottle of milk and it it's, just gives you pleasure how easy is it to mate alpacas then? I mean, how, you know, did Lewis impregnate just the one alpaca or how many alpacas did he have to have sex with to actually get five or six babies? I'm very sorry, by the way, to hear about your, um, yeah, your loss. Yeah, well, well, in the beginning, so, uh, you know, we had to learn how it works at the farm. Our, our breeders from Belgium came down here the first week we actually had the animals and showed us stuff. <laughs> like how does you mate how do you make mate an alpaca to give you the birds and the bee talk a bit like that but it practical <laughs> practical so we we brought louis in with one of the girls and we were shocked we were shocked because louis was a young male he was a year and a half almost two he didn't know what to do because it was his first time so and then you see your breeders actually putting louis on the female what happens with alpacas very very actually very interesting is Female alpacas don't have a menstruation cycle. They're fertile all year round. 
what happens is you bring the male with the female he makes a sort of a mating sound which is called ogling look it up on youtube it's fine how does it go i can't because he's close and he will go crazy it sounds like a horse a little bit but louis is too close to do it now because he will go crazy um so it's called ogling just google it um and watch the youtube videos it's funny so he makes that mating sound and what the females do is they just lie down and they have a spontaneous ovulation because of the presence of the male in the sound they spontaneously ovulate just like that that's what alpacas do and then he mates with them uh, alpacas <clears throat> without to mate alpacas you need the two animals you can't do um, artificial insemination because this is technical but it's funny the males uh, don't have an ejaculation. They are they have a dripping system, so they need to be on the female for 20 minutes because it needs time to drip all the semen into the female. Um, so that's what they do. They, you know, he's on top of the female. He's there for like between 10, 20, 25 minutes, um, and then you don't know if she's pregnant or not. So what you do is the alpaca pregnancy test, which is unique again to alpacas and llamas because they're the same animals. You, uh, seven days after the mating, you bring Louis to the same girl. If she starts spitting and kicking at him, you know she's pregnant. She basically says like, get off my, my back, literally. I'm pregnant already, I don't need you anymore. If she lies down again, you know she, she wasn't impregnated, you need to do it again. So that's the alpaca pregnancy test. We actually did it yesterday and Louis got kicked in the head by one of the females, which was an obvious sign that she was pregnant. So Naomi Campbell is pregnant again by Louis. <clears throat> Dear God, this is this is fascinating. I'm absolutely gripped. Um he got kicked in the head. That's quite brutal. Yeah, it was it was and it made like this sound and I went, Oh my god, his cheek, his cheek, but he's like a big boy, he could take it. It was he just immediately went and looked for another girl. So so we actually found another girl and he uh he was together with Avalon, named after the famous Roxy music song. Uh, so we'll see in seven days we'll see if Avalon spits off it's called spit, uh, spit off tests if she spits off Louis we know she's pregnant as well how many alpacas would you ideally like to have here I always said the maximum is 25 that's another special thing about alpacas there's a reason why I want to keep it to 25 because you know it's fun to have babies and, and grow your farm but alpacas um, nature tried, tries to protect alpacas from their predator, predator the puma the puma lives in the mountains in Peru as well, eats alpacas and llamas. And alpacas can't defend themselves, they're fleeing animals. So all they can do is run away in time, hopefully. Uh, so every quick movement you make in the presence of an alpaca makes them run away because they think it's a puma jumping out of the bushes. Now You do look a bit like a puma. I know, I know, and like an alpaca as well. They, people tell me with my curly hair. It's like this because I spent so much time with them. <laughs> So what nature did is that she tries to, Mother Nature, Pachamama, tries to protect the alpacas by giving them a few gifts. If they're, if they're ill, if they're sick, they won't show sickness because the puma would notice. It's a weak animal, I will get that one first. So you can have a really sick animal and it wouldn't look any different to another animal. So you need to know your animals, their behavior, because if the behavior changes, you know something's wrong. That's how we uh, know when our alpacas are sick, because we spend 13 hours a day on our farm. We know everything about our alpacas. If you have 100 alpacas, you wouldn't be able to find out when, when something's wrong. So they die in two days. They're very sensitive. They, when, once they get sick or ill, they die in two days. So if you can't recognize the symptoms of an ill alpaca, you lose them in two days. You must Don't forget an alpaca is quite expensive. Average price, four or 5,000 euros per animal. 
So even not just mentally, not just emotionally, but even financially, it's a big loss. So you need to spend time with your animals. Nature also gave them the gift of hiding their pregnancy because the puma would realize, big belly, oh, she's pregnant. So if I catch that one, she's slower and I have a double burger. So a pregnant alpaca doesn't look any different from a non-pregnant alpaca. They hide the baby inside and it's quite a big baby, you know, we had eight birds already. It's, I call it a, a dog on chopsticks because they, they look like a small dog with very long legs and they already got fur when they come out. Uh, but you can't see it. They, they, uh, a pregnant alpaca looks exactly the same as, as a non-pregnant alpaca. Will you please call me before the next birth? I really want to see this. I'm absolutely fascinated. And they, ha- they have how many babies each? Just one at a time? They have one at a time. Twins exist, but it's very rare and un- unnatural. So most of the time they're stillborn. Uh, so we try to avoid having twins. I know a few farms in the UK that have successfully bred uh, twins. But, you know, we had so much trouble this, this December with our five babies. San being an ex-nurse, luckily he was able to just grab her gloves and go in. And Because the five of them, four, uh, three out of five were stuck. So she had to twist the legs and stuff. And it was all uh, a bit messy. Uh, so we saved them. Uh, good that she's she's very skillful at that uh, but it's uh, it's not always that easy mm-hmm. so uh, just one is good enough as long as it's healthy yeah for sure I mean what a skill though to be you know a nurse and then be able to apply whatever she's learned those tools to alpacas which is quite random yeah but you know Ibiza doesn't have a, a history of, of having we are the first farm they were the first guys who brought alpacas to the island um, and we are breeder where we buy the farm, uh, where we buy the alpacas in Belgium. He's like the number one alpaca vet in Europe. So that's a lucky thing. We didn't know. Uh, so he's on call all the time. He speaks our language very easy. Um, so whenever something's going wrong, we call him. We show him a video, or whatever. So what happens with the, you know, when the birds came and, and there was like three in one day that we had. Uh, we saw something was wrong because they not they naturally give like birth in 10 minutes and it was taking two hours already so the head was popping out but it was just the nose of the little baby so we called the vet and said like this is not right is it two hours and he goes like no 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 it should be done in like 20 minutes half an hour so son get your gloves and go in and i'll tell you what to do so he on video he showed us like okay you need to find the legs and twist the legs and that's how he saved the, the babies on the island there's no history of alpacas so there's no vets experience with treating alpacas everything in an alpaca not just whatever i told you already but even medically is different from another animal so you need to learn about treating alpacas as a vet so uh, when we first came here we had to do everything ourselves you know by call calling our belgian vet now we luckily found a local vet who wants to learn so she's actually reading up on, on treating alpacas Marina from Santa Gertrudis, we love her, and she uh, she's in close contact with our Belgian vet. So whenever there's an emergency, Marina comes down. We, o- we open up the phone in the video, and and they talk vet talk to, to to each other, and then she can save us whenever we can't do it ourselves. But we we do like all the vaccinations, all the injections, we we can do it ourselves. So as well as you know learning about the alpacas, and obviously that's a pretty steep learning curve. There's not even really a vet that knows what they're doing here, um, which is actually kind of almost a little bit scary, I, I think, in some respects. So well done you for being so brave. Um, but yeah, you've also kind of rebirthed the farm. I mean, I've, I was reading about the regeneration of it. 
um, you know, and it's exactly the kind of work that needs to be done on this island after, you know, a lot of the farms were abandoned sort of back before tourism became a thing. So hats off to you for doing that as well. But I'd love to hear more about the story of, of bringing the farm back to life. Yeah, you got a point there. When we uh, actually, when we first went to the Conseil, because of, of course you need licenses to bring alpacas in, in, or any animal into the island, uh, we, and we started telling them our uh, our plans, our story. They were like really amazed by having foreigners actually doing something that was old school on the island. You know, it was it was a agricultural island. It was it was a farming island. All of the farms are kind of abandoned by now because they found a new source of income in the touristic uh, section. Section. So um, when we uh, when we were looking for land, somebody pointed us to this old two hundred year old farm very close to where we live. Uh, which was still, uh, you know, the, the Casa Payesa on the farm is still lived in by the old farming lady, Maria. Uh, she's in her 80s. Uh, and we talked to her said, listen, we want to bring animals. <laughs> funny, funny anecdote, by the way. We want to bring alpacas to the island. They, of course, they didn't know what alpacas were. So she she has thought for about a year that it were goats, big goats. <laughs> or sheep or whatever, like a mixture. Um, and she was very happy to rent it out because, you know, it had been empty for decades. Uh, totally, uh, you know, not used and kind of dirty, so we spent months cleaning it up. Uh, then started building fences again because there was nothing around. It was a wasteland, the land, the pastures. Started building fences, fences and uh, little casitas, uh, stables for the animals to live in. Uh, and then uh, the old corals, as they call it, the corals, where the, the, the animal pens, the stone animal pens, they're like a really amazing piece of old architectural uh, building, actually, because they were, they were made from, you know, the old techniques of putting stones on top of each other without using cement or concrete. Mm. Uh, so it's very beautiful. It's a very beautiful piece of uh, farming structure. Um, which we brought back to life, which was which was a big pleasure or, you know, actually an honor to be able to do it. And now whenever we get visitors, you know, you see the eyes going open. It's like, oh, my God, this is so beautiful and peaceful because it's a peaceful corner of Ibiza where actually nobody knew that it existed. In Spanish, they say el culo del mundo, that, you know, they literally translated the arse of the world. So because <laughs> nobody knows this corner of the of the of the island. Uh, but it gets it gets well known now because we have visitors coming down and they're all you know amazed by how it looks right now. But it was nothing. We, we I had to learn everything. I not even the alpacas, but we had to learn how to build fences. I I mean I was a journalist. I spent hours behind my computer. I couldn't build build a fence. So it has YouTube. Hello, how to build a fence? That's how we started. How to build a fence door? How to build a table? That's that's how we started doing stuff. And for us, the pandemic was in that in that case was a bit of a blessing because it gave us time, time to get to know the animals and time to build stuff. How would you say that transition from sitting behind your desk all day and doing a you know a very sedentary job like I do as a journalist is compared to you know being out with the animals and the land you know what's the feeling what's the difference I just love being here I mean we we start the day very early at, you know at sunrise and whatever you feel like you know everybody has a bad day uh, once in a while but you come down here and the animals look at you oh you're bringing my food very good and it's it's like coming home to a nice dog or a cat but there's 19 alpacas looking at you like please I'm hungry <laughs> bring me some food breakfast please and you feel lucky right away you feel happy um, so that's that's the big difference we spend our hours in nature we spend our days in the open air 
which is amazing. That's we're not rich. We we don't have a lot of money. Everything we earn goes back to the animals, but our wealth is being able to live here with the animals, and that's that's amazing. I mean, we consider ourselves one of the luckiest and richest persons in the world because we can, we get to spend all day with these animals at this beautiful, quiet farm. So that's that's amazing. And Maria is happy to have you uh, in her back garden farming the alpacas. Exactly. Yeah. She so so. I, like I said, the first year she was like, "How are the cabras doing? The goats doing?" And then and now she knows, of course, after a while. Uh, and she wakes up in the morning in her uh, in her nighty, and she comes and checks on the animal, and then she gives me a full report by the time I arrive. She goes like, "The white one isn't drinking that well, I think," <laughs> which she makes up, of course. But that doesn't matter. It's like at least she's connected to the animals. And as far as my my former job goes. Uh, it's it's funny because I used to travel the world looking for people and stories, and now people from all over the world come to my place for my story. So it's full circle in a way. And and what are you you know how are you working with this um, live manure situation? Which we've now moved location into the sunshine because I was cold, and I'm sitting directly in front of these little coffee beans that you were talking about. Can you talk us a bit you know a little bit more through the the power of these Viagra for the plants? So um, as you so brilliantly put it. I, I guess this is the first interview you do on a toilet or on a poo pile. Uh, so the good thing is... Hopefully the last. <laughs> the, the alpaca manure doesn't smell, so we're actually quite comfortable sitting on those black beans. Uh, it's it's one of nature's special gifts to alpacas. So the manure is so rich in vitamins and minerals that it can turn any soil, any land into a fertile ground, in fertile soil. Um, and that's how we collect it. We we collect it from the land. It, it's you know it looks a bit like the moon because it's very rocky over here and very sandy. Uh, the land is it's too hot to grow grass, so there's no grass around. So we collect the poo and then I filter it in water. Um, why do I do this? Because it doesn't look nice. Because it would work with the stones and with the sand in between and a little bit of hay. It would work just the same in any garden. But I, if I sell it, I want to sell it clean. So what I do is I filter it in water. And these beans are so light, it's just green. Whatever, if you open it up, it's just grass, you see. Uh, they float on the water and everything else sinks. So, and then I scrape it off with a little, um, you know, a little uh, instrument that you used for making fries, you know, in, 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 hot, in hot oil. Uh, I scrape it off two seconds later. I put it on a big, in a big square uh, on land so it can dry. And it dries in 10 minutes, of course, in the sun like this. And then I put it into bags and there's this dry, light, odorless beans that we sell uh, to gardeners. The gardeners love it because they can use it in the big villas while, it, while there are clients around and they don't complain about the smell. And it works amazingly. I mean, I had friends, you know, telling me stories about their tomatoes and about their eggplants growing double as big in a couple of weeks. I remember going to stay at Casita Verde with um, Chris Jews a long, long time ago, maybe almost 10 years ago. And I thought, I'm just going to go and stay there for a week or two and maybe like try and get, you know, some podcast material out of him. And I woke up on the very first morning and I went to do yoga on his roof terrace because he said I could. And I stood up there and literally went to do my first sun salutation and just this swarm of flies just landed all over my body. And I was like, I can't do this. And then I just spoke to Chris and he was like oh yeah they've just spread some pig manure on the farm next door might take a few weeks to die down and I just thought 
that's it. And that was it. I went straight back into my room, packed my bags and left. And it smelt terrible. So um, there's definitely something in the uh, odourless poo game, that's for sure. So you did fly yoga, which is a new thing in the world. We actually organise alpaca yoga. So um, what we do is there's a teacher, a yoga teacher coming down with students, yogi. Uh, We created a space, I call it the yoga village in a different pasture. Uh, different platforms, not just one big platform, but different platforms. And I let the alpacas in while the people start doing yoga. Uh, and they actually love it, both the people and the alpacas, because alpacas are very skittish. They you know, make quick movements and they think of the puma, so they run away. But yoga is so slow that they, their curiosity wins. And then they want to come and check out why you're doing your downward-facing dog. So there's this, even the little babies come and look underneath you and go like, what are you doing? So, they, so you're doing yoga mixed up or mingled with with the alpacas which gives you a double zin sensation people just absolutely love it it's amazing and the animals love it as well because they they get to go to the new new pasture and it's greener over there i'm actually teaching at the yoga fit festival just around uh, the corner here in esfigurel in a couple of weeks time so maybe i'll uh yeah bring them down here and we we can see what we can do i'd love to introduce your wife if i may at this stage in the game to hear a little bit about what she does with this um insane amount of animal alpaca produce that you collect welcome to the series hello hello everybody hello (laughs) hi what's your name sam as in san carlos so i'm a saint no (laughs) not really but yeah you might be soon if you carry on your uh, your wonderful work maybe (laughs) the alpaca saint of uh, san carlos yeah so are you looking forward to tomorrow when you get your hands on your prizes yep Yeah, tomorrow for me it's uh, it's like a yeah it's a huge uh, work. It's an important work for me. It's like uh, yeah, the fleeces are gonna come up, come off. I can see like oh she's beautiful. That's a good fleece. That's not a good fleece. And I'm already creating. Then I said oh that fleece I'm gonna make this out of it or I'm gonna do that out of it. Yeah, for me that's like a, a harvest day with fleece. <laughs> I mean, it's quite rare, I think, for, for someone to be designing clothes and making the finished product as well as rearing the actual animal itself. So it's like a full, you know, the full process, which is kind of beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. Yeah, I like old things and I like the, the old crafts. Uh, and I really like to do everything by myself, like uh, like from the animal until the end product. It's honest. I know where it comes from. I know my animals are okay. I know which fleeces I use. I know how soft it can be. I can use an animal that's more uh, sturdy with fleece for other projects. So really for me it's important that I really know from it's honest, it's Pachamama, it's total. Like if you buy something from me or you let me weave something or create something, well, it comes all from this land and it comes all from our animals our energy is in there my soul is in there yeah it's a full circle i love it <laughs> i was just looking at your weaving studio actually and i've i've never seen anything quite like that before it looks very very um, very retro yeah it is i like all things it's just uh, as i said before i like really old things and um yeah the weaving um i was always interested in fabrics not 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 clothing but fabrics like Uh, how is it made and the patterns and the colors so yeah then you yeah how's the fabric being created by weaving anyways okay you have the knitting as well but like a really a fabric is 
weaving. And then you, yeah, I dived into it like 13 years ago. I dived into weaving, I looked it up and I was like, I want to do that myself. I want to create fabrics and give my passion in there and with colors and patterns and also using very old patterns. Uh, I love that, like 1800s, 1700s. There are patterns that I use that are in the Philadelphia Museum. Um, so I can reuse them and put them into actual more modern clothes. That's a combination that I really like. I like everything that's old and vintage, but in a new jacket. <laughs> No, that's beautiful. And I think that's the future of fashion, isn't it? You know, yeah. the sustainable yeah. element has yeah. got to be yeah. brought in. What you're doing here, you know, is obviously chemical free. It's yeah. ecological. It's, you know, nourishing the ecosystem. So it's it's a really great thing that you have going on. And I think that's to be highly commended in the situation that we're in currently with yeah. fast fashion. Yeah, uh, I'm against fast fashion. I really, really, really like... <sighs> Yeah, the clothes that I'm wearing, I wear them off, like really wear them off. I don't like to buy clothes. And um, yeah, for the people um, that are, that, that uh, buy stuff from me or let me create stuff, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's like I have, really have to um, convince them to buy stuff from me and just not go to yeah, a concept store or a Zara or an Ajinem or whatever. Uh, convince them, like, if you buy something from me, if you let me make something, a jacket or a, a scarf or whatever, it's honest, it's slow fashion. You're going against the wave of fast fashion and it's unique and it's, I make, make it for you. We can sit together. So, and it's a lifetime piece. Please do. Um, some of them... Some people understand, other people are like, wow, it's quite expensive. Yeah, it is. But, you know, it's, it's, it's quite unique as well. And, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm against fast fashion. I'm, I'm, I'm just reading a book and now I'm also a little bit like cotton. Uh, it's also like, whoa, there is a lot of uh, cotton mafia going around in America. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy that I can do it with my animals, my wool, my spinning, my weaving. It's, it's just the most honest thing you can have. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I did an episode um, before Christmas about sustainable fashion and it's, you know, there's not that many different brands on the island that are you know either working with old items mm -hmm. and regenerating them or you know doing exactly what you're doing and creating mm -hmm. something with completely new material but it has to have obviously come from an ethical source but there's nobody you know working with material that they've actually you know farmed themselves because I think you know people talk about this story of from farm to hangar but I think ultimately you know no one's really probably growing their own material and then also creating something with it so I think you are you know extremely unique and that's yeah, a beautiful I, thing yeah I think I think so as well um yeah you, you see that on the island you see things beautiful creations of things and they say like I'm using sustainable cotton or linen or whatever and I'm always like yeah the difference is I know where it comes from and you have to buy it I don't know online or you buy it somewhere in a mill 
You don't know where it comes from. You don't know what happened to those animals. You don't know how they've been treated well. You don't know at the cotton fields how people had hard labor for it and get not getting paid for it. And yeah, that's the thing that I'm safe in because I know where it comes from and it's and I work for it. And yeah, if you yeah, maybe I'm quite unique at that point. Yeah, you could say that. But, you know, as you say, you don't know what's gone on beforehand. And there's, you know, obviously technology coming in through blockchain to be able to develop this transparent system. But ultimately, you know, we will never, never know, you know, what a farm in Africa has done with that cotton before it got here or what happened to those workers, as you point out. And I think, you know, this is the future. People want to know. They want to know exactly where their clothes have come from. And I, you know, maybe not right now, but it's it's coming. And this is the future. And I think you're kind of like one step um, ahead of the game really which is like yeah. a really amazing story yeah. I think to yeah. to kind of um, talk about today yeah. Um, so yeah I'm wishing you all the best with that farming tomorrow and I hope yeah. you get a nice big stash of wool uh, to work I'm with sure, I'm sure I'm just waiting for King Louis to give his uh, fleece because I'm out of Louis's fleece <laughs> everybody wants uh, our stud because he's a, a champion in fleece I want something from him, so I'm out of it, of that uh, fleece. So tomorrow he's gonna be shorn, and then we have another stash of Louis fleece that I have to clean, and I have to spin, and I have to weave with it, and yeah, I'm so happy. Um, How do you create the colors? Well, uh, there are a lot of people like the natural colors, uh, but it's possible to do to dye as well. It's an extra process, and I try to dye with natural dye only. Um, there are only a few natural dyes that are really color fast. So you can't do not every color. Um, so I like to work um, with the things that I get from Maria, from our uh, Pais lady. Uh, the pomegranate gives a beautiful yellow. Um, the avocados gives a, like a nice pink, all pink, blushy color. Uh, I, the cochinelle from the cactus I can use. But that's also a long process, even for the the, the lighters to collect and to dry them. But that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. It's like a reddish fuchsia kind of thing. Um, sometimes people ask different colors and I have to say, yeah, if you want something like fluo, bright, that can't be happening with natural dye. Then I have to use something else. So I, most of the time I just try and stay out of that process of chemical dyeing acid dyeing not not my cup of tea so i work with the southern southern uh, fruits and vegetables and yeah that's why my color range is not that big yeah but this is quite a different career after your uh, your nursing yep yep i worked on the er uh night shifts uh for 25 years uh in a yeah I call it the Bronx of Antwerp, because we are from Belgium. Uh, it's like a very uh, a hospital for very uh, social, uh, how you call it, uh, poor people, uh, a lot of uh, addictions. Uh, yeah, it's the lower class that comes over there. So I've seen a lot, yeah, <laughs> in 25 years. And now I have some peace and I do my thing. Uh, yeah, I love my job. I really did, but it was time for something else, and it was time for yeah, do the creation and 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 let it go. It had to go go out. So I, I really, uh, yeah, I'm really happy when I'm 
living here and doing now. Still there to help people. I'm still a nurse. I will always be, but yeah. How would you describe that transition from going from that kind of work to this? Yeah, people, uh, my colleagues, they say like, when I said like, okay, I'm going to leave, I'm going to quit my job, uh, we're going to move to Ibiza. Yeah, first thing is like, woo! First was like, did you uh, win the Euro Millions or something? <laughs> no. Um, are you going to party over there? No. What are you going to do? Uh, I said, uh, me and Bart, we're going to start an alpaca farm. And they were like, what are you going to do? I said, like, start an alpaca farm. Okay. And then I said, and I'm going to do the weaving because I was already weaving. So they know they knew what I was doing and la la. And then they were like, ah, oh, so typical you. They're, yeah, they know me. They said like, okay, good. Um, yeah, the first time I, I kept on working uh, the night shifts uh, until two, two weeks before we moved to Ibiza. So when we came here, uh, the first thing I did was sleep, a lot of sleep. And now I'm, uh, yeah, I don't want to go back, no. I'm, I'm, I'm okay but it was harsh it was different it was like a nurse you are uh, in a team you are, you are in structure you have to go it's like fast 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 uh, safe people helping people and now I can uh, yeah I have time to relax <laughs> or just do my thing at my own tempo and that's that's something I love to do yeah. I was going to say, that's a very, very different pace of existence. Yeah. And um, yeah. you do look very, very relaxed and very, very happy and calm. A lot of people that, like ex-colleagues, come to visit Ibiza. They, of course, they come and pass by us and they say, like, you look so healthy now. You look really healthy. Duh. 25 years, only in the night shifts. I, I didn't see... A lot of daylight. Um, I was pale. Uh, yeah, looking tired. And now they are like, wow, you look so good. What did you do? Which beauty salon did you go through? said, like, the alpaca beauty salon. That's the thing. <laughs> being here, being happy. Uh, seeing, yeah, putting uh, smiling faces on people's. Yeah, that's uh yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful story, and I feel like actually Lewis is kind of singing in the background Lewis as you were saying. Calling that. his ladies, that's what you hear. Is Lewis is calling his ladies? They are all starting. No, that's because they are in the back, and he wants to mate some more. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Yeah. And on that note, I think we will uh, we will finish today. But yeah. thank you so much for yeah, sharing your you. story. Yeah, thank you for uh, listening to us, and uh, yeah, keep on coming to the alpaca farm. I would say and. Uh, is there a place that we can find your designs? Yeah, yeah. I have an Instagram, so everybody knows Escorals by now, but I have my own Instagram. Uh, and it's I will put a link in. I will put a link in the show notes. Wishful feeling weaving on Instagram and uh, check it out. It's only about my weaving, something about my personality, but it's only weaving that you will see over there. So check it out. Everything is there. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's the reset rebel. It's the reset rebel. It's the reset rebel. Coming to you every day.